You're listening to The Interrobang Room, a podcast that challenges individuals to be passionately curious. My name is Douglas Witherup, and I'm the senior pastor to the Multiply family of churches. Join us as I sit down with industry leaders as we laugh, converse, and sometimes debate our way through how to approach life with a spirit of discovery and adventure. Thanks so much for joining us on the Interrobang Room. I'm your host, Doug Witherup. So good to be with you today in this episode. With me, as always, John Hernandez. Zach Witt is on vacation this week. The punk went to the Outer Banks and left us here. That That's all right. John, I don't feel like we can start this episode without talking about your t-shirt. <laughs> yes, WrestleMania. This is, this is the WrestleMania where WWF was trying to figure out if Ultimate Warrior could carry the company. This is the oh, first one right. that Hulk yep. Hogan kind of took a step back. Well, I mean, that didn't go well for them. But anyway. It, yeah. It, yeah. So we got, like, I'm just looking, we've got Macho Man in his purple kind of cowboy Yep. Funky attire, you've got the Ultimate Warrior, you've got Rowdy Roddy Piper and Big Boss Man. Let's see if I can nail all of these. You got Jake the Snake, Roberts, and oh man. Oh, you got this one. Oh, He's got a pair t- of shears in his hand. Oh, Brutus of Arbor. Beefcake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got uh looks looks like uh Jim the Anvil. Nod Hart and Brett, the Hitman Hart Heart Foundation. That. Come on. You absolutely on. nailed it. My wife picked it up for me a couple days ago, and I'm like, I'm wearing this t-shirt for the podcast. That's so great. So before we get started, fav- fit one of your favorite WrestleMania uh, 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 WrestleMania moments. Oh, what, what WrestleMania moments. I know moments. there's probably like 59 WrestleManias now. I, I mean, the superpowers, man. That moment where yeah. Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior just kind of faced off. He was the... Heavyweight champion, Ultimate Warrior was in a Continental champion, that passing of the baton, that was an incredible moment. I think wrestling-wise, though, I was actually in Madison Square Garden watching Snooker jump off of a a steel cage with my dad. So No way. Yeah. That oh was, my goodness! Now, now you understand my obsession. Abs- absolutely. So my this is not this I'm, I don't, this is not a fair answer. But my favorite WrestleMania moment was actually all of WrestleMania one. But here here's why. So I was uh, around Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, we had three channels, four on a good weather day, and remember at that time that was where you had to go to the arena yeah to to get the satellite right yeah. so so Pittsburgh was one of those places where you could go to the Civic Arena at that time. The satellite feed went down, so they didn't get to see it there. So what they did is like the next day they broadcast it over air. That's amazing. So everybody, I mean, I didn't get no cable, nothing, but I got to watch all (laughs) of WrestleMania 1. I thought it was the most amazing thing. Yeah, huge cultural moment. A a little bit more impressive when you look at it years later and the markets left on culture. Yeah. For sure. Crazy guys running around in the ring. <laughs> so, here, so here's what I want to look at today. I want to uh, take a little bit of a different angle. Um, so in Terabang Room, in Terabang, to kep- catch our listeners up to speed, maybe you're just joining us, and in Terabang is an actual pu- punctuation mark. It's a hybrid of a question mark and an exclamation point invented by Arlen Specter in 1962. He was an advertising executive in New York City, and he wanted to to communicate via symbol, via image, via metaphor, this idea of enthusiastic discovery. So that's our goal on the Interrobang Room is just to encourage all of our listeners to live lives of 
uh, passionate curiosity. That's what Einstein said. He said, I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm not brilliant. I'm just passionately curious. And we want to unlock the passionate curiosity inside of you and believe that that will take you on a, uh, lead you on an adventure in your life. One of the things that I don't want to do generally on this podcast is to do leadership stuff. Not that I am anti-leadership, um, very pro-leadership. We are leaders in our organization, but there's just so many of them out there, right? The the podcast sphere is filled with things on, on leadership. And so we tend to stay Um, away from that topic in general, but I do want to lean into it today and specifically this idea of not just leading, but leading change during times of crisis, leading change during times of crisis. Sometimes that is not the instinctual move. Oh, there's a, there's a global pandemic. There is an election. Everybody's on edge. We're living in crisis. Our cities are on fire, all of this. And, and so it can be that leaders during, uh, during this time, the instinct can be, wow, let's just circle the wagons. Let's protect what we have. Let's not change. But I would argue that in some ways, crises moments are the time to change. But it takes a special kind of leader, yeah. a special type of organization to be able to lead change, especially during times of crisis. So as our kind of uh, story that we're going to formulate this around. I want to go to, um, we're, we're pastors here and we don't always um, address things from this angle on this podcast, but I do want to go to a biblical narrative that explains this uh, in, in somewhat of a, a fashion. So you have a story of two nations that are fighting against each other. They're at war with each other, the Philistines and the Israelites. The Philistines have the upper hand, both both figurative figuratively and literally they're up on a cliff so in a time of war you want that high position you can see every move that your enemy's taken the israelites and there's thousands of them there's only 600 israelites and they're kind of hiding out in these rocky uh cliffs underneath these rocky cliffs so um you have you have three uh, you have three characters, three main characters in this story, and then there's a fourth, but we'll we'll get to him uh, in a moment. But it starts off the the key to this, or one of the keys to this, is you have the prince, who Saul is the king. You have another guy named Ahijah, and then you have Jonathan, who is the prince. And Jonathan uh, is a crazy story. So Jonathan says he says this line. He looks at his armor bearer and he's like, look. I'm tired. This is my paraphrase. Um, Look, I'm tired of hiding out. I'm tired of the world being against us. I'm tired of inaction. I'm tired of doing nothing. We can't live like this forever. I'm not going to live in fear. Um, We got to do something. He's like, look, let's just let's just go up the cliff. Um, Perhaps God will help us out, which (laughs) which is crazy, because if you're trying to talk your your armor bearer into taking on an army of thousands and it's just two of you. He starts out with this idea of, oh my goodness, perhaps. Um, John, the first thing I want to talk about is like, as a leader, you can't wait till you're 100% sure in order to make a decision. Sometimes the only thing you know is the world is against us and I'm facing a difficult situation and I can't stay here. I've yeah. got to do something. You may not know what, but you just know 
I got to, I've got to be a, a person of action. You know, instead of ready, set, go, it's almost like go, set, ready. Have you yeah. found that to be true? Oh, no, definitely. Specifically in the season that we're currently navigating. Um, you, you know, I want to make sure that even for those who are, are maybe listening right now and thinking, oh, they're talking about leadership. Let me check out. All of us, to some degree or another, are living lives of leaders, whether you're yeah, leading absolutely. as a dad or leading as a mom or leading as a student. If you're not leading, there probably should be some place where you find the place to lead. And when you're leading in crisis, it's tough to figure out what the plan is when, unfortunately, we don't sometimes know what we're trying to navigate over, right? Yeah. You do a great job with this illustration of a bridge that I love. But leaders who are absolutely set on this, well, first I have to get ready, then I have to set, and then I have to go, in times of crisis, well, that leader oftentimes shrinks or crumbles. Um, but leaders who can move, even when they don't have everything lined wow. up, I, I'm reminded of um, a young man in his 20s, He's uh, at an airport and um, his flight to the Virgin Islands got canceled. And it's the last flight of the day. So this means now he's stuck in an airport. And I don't know about you, but being stuck in the airport is kind of one of the worst things. You, you know, you're kind of resigned to sitting in, you know, uncomfortable chairs, reading a book, trying to figure out, you know, what you're going to do with all this extra time you have. Um, this young leader decided, well, let me see what it would cost to charter a plane. Well, I mean, he was doing okay financially, <laughs> but chartering a plane <laughs> That's versus level. a plane yeah. ticket. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have that type of money. But right. what he did was he grabbed a whiteboard and wrote $39 tickets to the Virgin Islands, went back to the, to the place where everybody else who was stuck on that flight was, and basically sold the chartered no airline. No way. Now, when it was all said and done, after his trip, he goes home, he calls Boeing, and he Asked them to buy a U-747, and we have Virgin Airlines. Oh, my goodness. So Richard Branson, <laughs> uh, who's known as this mogul now and yeah. is worth millions yeah. of dollars, is a leader that it's not ready, set, go. Sometimes it's go. And in the going, we will set and wow. we will get ready. But sometimes you are moving to a place that you've never been, over waters that you've never been. Wow. And I've learned... That sometimes true leaders, they have to learn how to lead to a promise versus leading based on preparation. Wow, that's so good. And so not just, again, not just leading during time of, uh, times of crisis, which that can be a challenge yeah. in and of itself. Just, just main, maintenance mode. Yeah. Um, but we're talking about leading change during times of crisis. So I want to talk about like um, in any organization or in any situation, and maybe like like John was saying, um, leadership is just influence, right? And so mm -hmm. we all have influence, and so we're all uh, we're all leaders in some way, shape, or form. We all influence someone, something, somebody. Um, but when you're trying to lead change, when you're trying to move forward, especially during times of crisis, I would say that there are at least three different times of, types of people in every organization. And these are exemplified by the first three people we come across in this narrative. The first is Saul. He's the king. And this is the person that has the title, but no action the title, but no action. And so maybe you are in an organization right now where the organization is shrinking, it's facing challenges, we've never done things like this, we've never faced this, and the leader who you're like, buddy, you gotta do something, 
um, maybe somebody is in a chair that has a title but is not a person of action. The second person, his name is Ahijah, and he represents everybody knows somebody in your life like this. Ahijah is the guardian of the status quo. <laughs> and the thing we know about Ahijahs is they take that very personally. Yeah. That is their mission. They were put on this planet to guard. This is the way it was. And I assign my value system. I assign my purpose in life to guarding, guarding the status quo. They're, they're in every family. Yeah. They're in every organization. They're in every church. They're in every nonprofit. We, they're always is an Ahijah who thinks not just that's their desire, but it's their mission. My yeah. mission is to guard the status quo. And then you have the prince, the person that is in this second chair of leadership, and he has the courage to act. So I want to just encourage, again, somebody that may be, feel stuck, um, even though you're in a system where other people around you are not wanting to change, that you don't need a title to lead, you don't need a paycheck to lead, you don't even need a position to lead. Sometimes leadership is just having the courage to act. But here's the, I want to introduce now the fourth guy. Here's the fourth guy in this story. Um, so Jonathan says, perhaps, look, we got to do this. The king's not doing anything. Ahijah's not doing anything. We can't live like this. We got to move forward. He says, let's climb up this cliff and take on thousands of soldiers. Perhaps something good will come out of this. Here to me, here's the key to this whole story, is you have an armor bearer who was probably a 13-year-old kid, not a trained fighter, no, overlooked by um, certainly those in positions of leadership, but the armor bearer's response is simply this, go ahead, I'm with you heart and soul. Go ahead, I'm with you heart and soul. John, this has been, this YouTube clip has been around for a while, but this idea of sometimes it's not even just the second in command that sparks the, the, this movement or this action, um, but sometimes it's the second guy to the second guy in, in command. So there's there's this YouTube clip of I think it's just called Dancing Guy or it something is. on on YouTube. Tell that tell that story. It's yeah, pretty interesting. It, it's it's crazy because when you first watch the clip, it's they're at a music festival. Everybody seems to be settling in. If you've ever been to a music festival, it wasn't it, it, they're kind of on the outskirts. They're not in the mosh pit or yeah. anything of that nature, and they're all spread out blankets. It looks like everybody maybe even settling down for lunch, and then you see him. Uh, the guy. And that, again, if you've been to a music festival, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the guy who's just kind of dancing. He's got no <laughs> shirt on, no shoes on, wearing a pair of jorts, right? <laughs> like cutoffs. And he's just going in. And you don't know why he's going in. You know, he's maybe into the music. Maybe he was into some other stuff before <laughs> that moment. But he's just absolutely going in and he's dancing. And, you know, it's that dancing like nobody's watching. Yeah. You know, you've heard that phrase before. That takes a lot of nerve right. like you, you, <laughs> right. you know, to be in a group of people and yeah. dance like no one's watching, but he's brave enough yeah. to do the thing no one else is willing to yeah. do. Um, and, you know, people are just kind of watching him until, well, somebody joins him. Yeah. And now the, the second guy to join him starts kind of mimicking his moves. And uh, before you know it, Two people turn into three people, turn into five people, turn into the majority. The people of the hill are now moving 
to the original guy's rhythm. And I love this because, you know, there's been a lot of talks about this. One of right. my favorite quotes is the first follower is transformed into uh, uh, from a lone nut into a leader because of the second guy. Wow. Right. So the the idea that's ridiculous and far fetched and, you know, who's going to want a personal com personal computer in their home? That's just there's no need for that. Or who's going to want a cheap airline ticket? That idea that seems so crazy to one person, the moment that second follower comes on yes. and is willing to invest and people yes. see the risk being made, um, it, it creates um, this chain react, this synergy that other people are able to say, OK, well, maybe I can risk too. And that's where we see that second chair becomes so critical. And in this story where I've always loved, Jonathan wasn't able to move up that hill until his armor bearer says, nope, let's get it done. Absolutely. There was something about the response of the armor bearer that kind of spoke courage into Jonathan and they were able to do this together. And you do see a movement. You yeah. see a true movement. So two guys climb this cliff take one blow to the enemy. Now, God's on their side in this story. That doesn't hurt things. Not at all. At, at, at all. <laughs> so they take one blow, 20 people fall down, and then the enemy turns on itself. And so there's panic and confusion in the camp. And then you see, you see layers of this movement. So then there's three groups of people that join yeah. Jonathan and the armor bearer. The first group that joins them are the people who weren't sure. Right. So in any in, in as you're leading change, there will always be a group of people that they kind of hang back. Hey, I'm not against you, but I'm not willing to take the first risk with you. I need to see that you get a win under your belt and then I'll, and then I'm going to come alongside of you. And that's OK. No, without a doubt. Matter of fact, um, you know, in sports, we call this bandwagoning. Sure. Right. And the teams that navigate this well don't. Um, uh, demonize people for bandwagoning. That's good. Right, so you have the first right. fans. I'm a Detroit Pistons fan. Um, there are seasons of loss, and we just know that, like long-suffering seasons of loss. But there's also seasons where we win. And uh, I remember when Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace, and then we start, Chauncey Billups came along, and the team started winning. There is this culture sometimes that says, well, I've been with them during the hard times, so you're not allowed to come on during the good times, wow. and you can stifle growth in your leadership if you're stiff-arming people who are starting to come on once you start seeing victory. No, what you want to do is open those gates up, and I'm telling you sports franchises have figured this out. Miami Heat in particular. I was in Miami when uh, you know uh, a lot of the success, the early success of the Shaquille O'Neal, Dwayne Wade, and they started winning championships. You found jerseys everywhere. Sure. And, and the, the money that started coming into the franchise to build the franchise into a legacy franchise was their ability to accept those people who, you know, weren't necessarily sure, but the minute they started seeing victory, they bought all in. Absolutely. Don't bash the bandwagon. No, not at all. They're on your, it doesn't matter if they're first in or last in. Nope. They're, they're in. There's a seat at the table. Absolutely. Without a doubt. You hear that, you hear that leaders? It doesn't matter if they're the first in, the middle in, or the last in. The goal is just that people are in. Um, the second group of people that then join this movement as the momentum builds um, are the people who had left. So Jonathan actually has people join him and start to fight for him in battle that had not only 
I'm hanging back and I'm not sure. They'd actually gone over to the other camp of the enemy. Yeah. As a leader, how do you deal emotionally with that of like, oh, people are coming back. Um, Can I trust them? Yeah. So, you know, this is a tough one. I'm currently navigating um, a study with a couple different groups of people on freedom. And I think a lot of this has to do with forgiveness and pride. Yeah. Forgiveness and pride. Mm. So it's tough because ultimately what we do is when people leave, we have a tendency of picking up personal offense wow. on their leaving. But remember, a lot of times them leaving is them saying no to the thing, not to the person. Wow. Right? So then when they come back, now they're saying yes to the thing. And it requires a maturity on your part as a leader to navigate a new relationship and risk loving again in order to, again, make space for them at the table. Because ultimately, that's what good leadership does. The third group of people then that come back um, or that join this movement, that join the momentum, are the people who were in hiding. Um, so these are, these are the people that as you lead change during times of crisis... It's not that they're against you. It's just that I'm scared. Yeah. And I know, I only know what I know and I want to stay in my comfort zone. Yeah. You know, this is the group that excites me the most, Doug. And this is why fear is a powerful, powerful drug. And it keeps so many people paralyzed. Well, if it's only fear that's keeping people back and that fear starts to dissolve, imagine the potential in this population of people. You have the next leaders. You have the next great ideas. You have the next people who are willing to serve and, and navigate relationships and, and be generous. Like that group is there. The only thing that's been holding them back is fear. And now success has removed that fear. Imagine what happens now when a leader can harness the potential of that group. That's the group that excites me the most in this change. That's so, so great. So as we, as we wind down here, as we, we wrap up, I want to encourage you with these two things. Every one of you is a leader because everyone has influence. And I believe that all of you, all of our listeners, John, have the potential in this season right now today to make the choice of either to be a Jonathan or an armor bearer. And sometimes you can be both and you don't have to be. There will be different seasons where you're the one being the Jonathan. All right, I'm going to take the first step here. I'm going to take the courageous act. I'm going to launch the initiative. I'm going to make the decision for the family. We're going to start the business. We're going to do all of these things. But maybe during this season, there's somebody in your life that has taken that risk, yeah. has taken that step, and they're the, you're an armor bearer. Good. Maybe the movement starts when you just go to that person, that leader, that family member and say, look, I'm with you heart and soul. I'm with you heart and soul. And uh, I believe that that shot of adrenaline and courage and life from the armor bearer can actually be the key to the person, to the Jonathan achieving that success. So thanks again. Be a Jonathan. Be an armor bearer. Let's move forward. Let's lead change even during times of crisis and continue to lead lives of enthusiastic discovery. 